0: Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I'm talking about a photograph that I made on the Oregon coast today, uh, doing blue hour, probably. I think it was after the sun had set. It was sort of like, you know, the golden hour. They talk about right as the hour as the sun is setting into sunset, the blue hour they also talk about is, is after the sun goes down. There's a lot of those blue, kind of purple tones that show up in the, in the atmosphere. Or, you know, in the clouds and in the water. There's just a lot more of that tone as, as the sun drops and as the spectrum shifts from uh, what we see in the daylight to what we see at nighttime. But I think this was a, a photograph taken on the Oregon coast, I think near Bandon, if I'm right. And I really liked this photo. It just had, uh, It wasn't really a, a big structure in the wave or a big curl. Uh, or anything like that, that would be uh, that'd be really striking. But I really appreciated this photograph uh, as kind of a, a close-up uh, look at, I don't know, just sort of the dreamy feeling of being on the coast. But it was definitely a photograph that I liked a lot. And I like that line in the sky as it, as it cuts across. Um, as you can kind of see at the top there, there's a bit of a, like a cloud break that goes down. And that's where we get a lot of that light from the sky in the background that kind of cuts underneath that big brim of cloud that goes over the top of this net that, that causes a lot of bounce from the ground back up to the sky and then back down and you get a cooler or well you get a diffused sort of soft light in that effect which i think is really cool you can see more of my work at billynewmanphoto.com you can check out some of my photo books on amazon I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping, some cool stuff over there. Kind of continue with some of the stuff that I've been talking about the last couple episodes, talking about... uh, some everyday carry camping stuff that uh, an outdoorsy stuff that I have around with me. I was, was going to talk a bit about flashlights too. I've uh, been trying to pick up some uh, some kind of outdoor flashlights that I can have around with me. I had the headlight? I have a headlamp. I have a Black Diamond headlamp. I like that headlamp. It works pretty well for me. It's a pretty uh, rugged, kind of outdoorsy sort of REI ready tool. Works pretty well. I think it's around like 190 lumens or so for the spotlight piece. And then there's sort of a a not as bright kind of wide angle LED light on there too. Also has the switch over to the red LED. A lot of that stuff is nice. Works pretty well. Hasn't really failed me yet. Runs on three AAA batteries. I think it's a pretty cool piece. I think it's been fine. Um, I've been also kind of looking around at other flashlight units and other kind of outdoors um, sort of uh, work and utility flashlights that I can get a hold of. Uh, For the longest time as I was a kid, I was really into the mag light systems, you know, like the the, kind of like the cop lights that you'd have that runs on the D cell uh, size batteries. And I had like the the two cell flashlight. That was a good one to kind of put in. They had like a truck holster, these little uh, pins that you could put down, kind of drill them straight down to the bed of your truck by your uh, your left hand driver's side as you kind of drop down to the floor there before you get out your driver's side door. And you could kind of pop in a two cell mag light there. As your truck light, I said that was pretty cool, and uh, <laughs> but I'd have the I have the mag lights and stuff around a long time. Uh, I think they're, they have, that's what you know. They have like the five cell mag light. They have a four cell, a three cell. They have the two double A mag lights. They have you know them all across the, the lineup and stuff. Had those for years. Those ended up kind of failing on me after a while. I know they're really not supposed to, but I think like the back end sort of rusted up, and then I had some trouble with corrosion with the batteries that were in there, and I wasn't able to break it open with the the PB Blaster penetrating fluid that I was hoping to use on it. Anyway, that's all to say that uh MagLite has been put aside, I think, for a couple of years. I've been using other stuff. LED's the way to go. MagLite hasn't really updated the technology, so that you're still using kind of a real lame like fifty or eighty lumen um incandescent bulb that they just pop in there. Uh which I think is really inferior, especially at this point. And their LED conversion options that they make, I think are really limited and aren't really anywhere near the type of LED uh, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's like a reproduction of the same incandescent bulb, but as like an led as a real kind of harsh, I thought blue light to it. And it doesn't really have that kind of uh, bright and crisp sort of layout, uh, and focusing beam system that you get even with really cheaply made Chinese led lights now. So I was trying to find, um, something that kind of brought in some of the cool, sort of outdoorsy or utility stuff toughness that the Maglite had with its branding or, you know, kind of with its flashlight engineering uh, and then something that kind of brought in some of the cool led focusing being light technology stuff that we have with the more modern flashlight set that we've had over the last uh, 10 years or so, right? Like blue LEDs came out in 2008, something like that. So that's the first time that we had red, green and blue LEDs, which allowed us to make white LEDs, and that allowed us to make you know, all these cool color changing, uh, light emitting diode patterns that we have now. And that's where we can get these diodes that are real bright and just kick out a ton of light versus their power output. So we can run these incredibly bright thousand lumen flashlights out of just like a handheld couple battery, you know, like, I don't know, a few, what, a four D cell battery or an eight double A cell battery you can load up these flashlights or you can load them up with your own rechargeable batteries, which is a really cool new feature. You, know, you kind of juice them up with USB like your iPhone and then punch that light on. You can run a sustained uh, like thousand lumen torch for hours off of that. It's really cool how you have those kind of options now. So that's the sort of stuff that I was looking into. I was looking into a couple different brands of sort of um, durable, reliable and uh, useful sort of outdoor utility flashlights. Um, I think that the Marines or Special Forces use one specific light that's like a thousand dollars it's insanely priced then i was finding this other one Streamlight. i don't know have you heard of these flashlights i've heard of them a bit before i've seen them in uh, some other stuff and it seems like they're kind of uh I don't know, sort of like an industry standard. So I think if you're doing a lot of like first responder work, or like you work with an you work in an ambulance, I think you have a like Streamlight has a contract with a lot of emergency response people, and so they have like these Streamlight flashlights. Some really cool stuff. It seems like nicely made Um, utilities. A lot of metal flashlights, a lot of polycarbonate flashlights, a lot of safety flashlights, a lot of uh, uh, what are not lanterns. I don't know, like these big, you know, kind of like big carry lights that have like three sort of like uh three led diodes laid out in this triangle shape on the front and then a red flash around the side man it's just big old honking lights but they're expensive man if you get if you get uh i think like their top uh, whatever their their 2020 it's like it's like iphones or something but man they're serious about it their 2020 model flashlight is like a hundred and seventy dollars you get like a thousand lumen handheld flashlight it's rechargeable it's got a bunch of buttons on it it's supposed to be drop proof shatter proof tactical proof or you know all sorts of stuff that they're kind of making claims on um on its usefulness and, and its reliability and it's pretty cool man these lights are just incredible on like some of the stuff that they can do it seems you know i mean uh, or at least like to, to whatever degree they're trusted in uh, emergency response or police use i think like the police use these streamlight uh lights a lot a lot of people in uh, kind of professional settings seem to to use them a lot so i was looking around at them minimum even just for pen lights those are starting at like 30 bucks it seems like and then as you're getting into like some of their nicer mid-range stuff you're talking about 50 bucks a light or you're talking up from there into something even uh, even higher into like the $100, like averaging $80 to $100 to $200 or $250 for some of these, uh, these lantern lights that they have listed out there. So cool, cool lights, cool flashlights. Man, if I was going to get a premium flashlight, <laughs> I'd probably get one of these. Seems like they're going to last a long time. Um, Seems like they have good warranties with them and they've got like a bunch of a bunch of different stuff around it that uh, that seems like, man, what a cool light or, you know, like that's going to be a really reliable constructed piece that you can carry around with you. But at that price point, I just can't really see that it matches what I need and where I need to go very well. I can't really spend seventy five dollars on a flashlight it just sort of doesn't really quite fit with what i'm trying to be up to right now and for the way that i've kind of been talking you know it's like flashlights sort of go bad you know use them for a while but you don't use them all the time uh or at least like in my circumstance like you know it's like uh, i use it i like to use it i need to have a flashlight i got them i got them around where i need them but uh, i need it to be good but i also needed to fit a certain price point um where you kind of get the the best uh sort of trade-off between these two different things. And I think you can make a quality flashlight for less than $100, right? So I was looking around, I found this other brand out of Portland um, called Coast. And you see them, they're distributed everywhere. You can find them in a lot of places. You can, I think you can find them at Walmart. Uh, you can find them on Amazon. They're all over on Amazon in stock. Uh, you can find them on their site. You can find them, what was I gonna say? At Home Depot, they've got a big selection. Uh, just laid out at Home Depot there. You can get a bunch of different pieces, lanterns, uh, magnetic work lights, uh, like utility lights, and then a bunch of ranges of flashlights. And they have a steel or how do I say like a, a mag light style series that's sort of a steel metal casing. And then they also have this other one that's a polycarbonate casing it's uh it's sort of like um i don't know it would almost look like plastic, but it's like a, a steel case with a polycarbonate coating that's supposed to be good for some outdoor or you know some kind of um well, i guess uh higher work stress threshold uh flashlight so i think um that's kind of what I went. I went with coast uh, and I thought it was kind of cool that they were a Portland company. They've got a whole LED line they've got like a line of knives too that are inexpensive and kind of cool to get a hold of and if you can find them, I would throw one of those in the toolbox it seems kind of fun um, but uh, these lives these uh, these lights these flashlights is pretty easy to get a hold of I, I picked up um, a polysteel 400 I think that's a 400 lumen uh, handheld polysteel light. It takes four double A's and that's got like a real solid beam on it. And the polysteel is cool. It's that polycarbonate case. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh plastic, but it's like uh it's like that. It's a polycarbonate. So it's like the plastic or, you know, it's like that kind of uh, the plastic that's on a Glock handle or it's on uh you know, like a knife handle or something like that, but real sturdy. You can kind of slam that thing onto the ground and it seems like it. Uh, it still stays intact, still, uh, still works. And I think that's uh, sort of one of the things that this this model prides itself. You can go online to uh, coastportland.com, their website, and you can watch these tests, these uh, stress tests of their flashlights where for, for whatever use this is, I don't know if you're, if you're going to do this a bunch, I guess get this flashlight, but they, they have a guy up on like a 10-story building and he chucks this lit flashlight off the building down into an empty parking lot below. You watch the flashlight fall to the ground, drop, boom, bounce, kick over, slide off, and uh, the light stays on. <laughs> wow, what a miracle. It still works. Uh, so I guess, the, I guess it's tough is what they're telling me, uh, which is really actually pretty wild. If you try and do that with a lot of other LED flashlights, you're really going to have that LED. Um, you're going to have the power to the LED interrupted from the battery source. That's going to get knocked out and probably cracked or messed up. Uh, and the LED circuitry itself is going to crack and shatter, and you're not going to be able to use that chip anymore to emit light in the same way that you had been before. So that's what's really cool about these is that they can take what seems like, uh, you know, like, what are you doing this for kind of a thing. But they're crush proof. I think they're waterproof IPX8 rated flashlights. Uh, they've got the, uh, the COB, the chip on board uh, light panel, LED light panel, kind of on the side of one of the flashlights that I picked up. I have, you know, it's got the straight beam ahead. But then it's got that kind of newer LED lantern effect that uh, some of these flashlights have now where it's got instead of just like a single spotlight LED lens through the front of the light, they've got this like strip of LEDs. Now on the side of it, you kick, a, kick another switch, that turns on, and it's sort of more of a, a broad and open lantern light that you'd have. Or if you're walking a dog or something like that, or you want to kind of fill ambiently the light in a room with, with a flashlight, you can kick that light on. And sort of a softer illumination across across the ground without any uh, kind of spotlight, and it's sort of a warmer white color too. You also click that button one more time, boom! It turns into red. So you got a safety light. You click it one more time, and you got flashing reds, which is uh, pretty cool that you have uh, a few of those different options. But uh, but yeah, I got um, I got that one. That's a, I think a, almost a thousand. I don't know, what is it? I should get that right. I think it's. I think it's 800 lumens out the front spotlight and then another 500 lumen light out the side chip on board um, COB or whatever it is. But uh, that that side light. So, uh, yeah, really bright lights. I got that 400 lumen spotlight. There's also um, like I was talking about headlamps earlier. I had that black diamond one. I think that was like maybe like 150 lumens. It sort of averaged out to be there for the spotlight and the wide the wide light that I had there for, for this coast stuff. They have a, they have a headlamp. It looks more like a miner's headlamp, you know, like the cool thing about the led stuff, the, the backpacker stuff. Um, that's all kind of sleek in design. It's small. It's kind of a compact methodology that they're laying it out in. But if you look back in time and you look at um, like the miners lights, they had these minor headlamps. It was, Oh man, how silly would that have been? But I think it was just kind of a shiny piece of metal that kind of cupped around pretty regular incandescent bulb and that was supposed to sort of lens forward your light for you so you could kind of grab it and focus it all toward the toward the front of you and uh, that was a pretty inferior way of doing it at the time but that was how they produced their headlamp spotlights at the time they've kind of improved that technology over the last hundred years of course and uh, even during the the you know, the battery operated days, you would have like a, a big miner's light, or like the high end headlamps are like just these big old beastly lights. And then it runs a wire down to your hip where on your belt, you have a battery pack hooked up and then you kind of switch it on from there. It juices up your light up your back on a, on a cable and then boom, out the front of the light comes, I don't know, 500 lumens or 400 lumens or whatever it is. You get, you get your real sustained light there. Um, now with some of the advancements of the LED stuff, you still have those lights and those are really high-end and really cool technical lights. But even just looking at uh some of these uh kind of more simple uh headlamps from Coast that they had, they had you know kind of the big kind of miners headlamp style spotlight section thing there. And that put out four hundred lumens of light, which was uh you know, maybe I don't know, double at least what my little headlamp was doing. Um, so it's kind of cool that you can just kind of pop in pick up some of these other tools and stuff and uh and they're waterproof crush proof um ipx8 rated kind of outdoor uh, utility tools and so it's cool that you can get a hold of those things and it's nice that they're as inexpensive as they are they're really a lot less than those streamlight lights um but man i really like those streamlights also so i'm gonna try and keep an eye on them and if it seems like it uh, comes up with a, a good deal or a good value on trying to pick up one of those um, those kind of stream light, higher end lights, I might go for it too. But really for the value for money and the utility that it provides, it seems like these coast lights are a real score. The last one I picked up was a pen light. So this is sort of the everyday carry light that I've got with me. In my bag, or actually in the ammo can, um, I put that uh, that kind of that smaller polysteel 400 coast light that's in the, in the ammo cam box. But in the pocket every day, I've got this, uh, this little pocket pen light, still kind of the same thing. I think it's a, a 110 lumen light. It's got two triple a batteries in it. And, uh, it's about the size of a pen, just a little bigger, or kind of a, like a bit of a, like a, like a thick Sharpie is sort of about as big as it is, but that slides into the pocket. It's got the same, uh, waterproof rating, crush proof rating as, as uh, the other pieces that I had talked about. But yeah, it's just a, a smaller, uh, handheld pen light that I like, uh, really quite a bit. I think it's pretty cool to, to have, uh, to have like a more full size light. I know my, I know my phone has its led on it. That's really nowhere near as bright as what I'm able to get out of this, uh, out of this pen light. So it's kind of cool having that uh, piece around me. And even, even already in the last couple of days, I've noticed I pulled this thing out a lot more than I thought I would to try and, uh, try and use it as a utility especially in spots where the uh, the phone light would come in as no good. So kind of fun stuff going around, working the uh, flashlights, trying to check out some different brands and stuff. Maybe I'll still try out a mag light in the future. Those are kind of fun for uh, nostalgia's sake. But I think some of these coast lights might be the, uh, the direction I go in. It's kind of fun. You can check out more information at billynewmanphoto.com. You can go to billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. If uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support you can also find more information there about uh, patreon and the way that i use it if you're interested or or feel more comfortable using patreon that's patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto data management stuff that maybe we can talk about some other time of like how to use hard drives how many you need how many backups you need how to like re-archive stuff and probably just talk about it. Like the trouble, like, cause we're not experts, but just the trouble that we have of trying to sort out the hard drives that we have and like where the data is. Do we have duplicates of it? Like, I think you were talking about that today of the duplicates that you have
1: and yeah. files in the
0: archive. Yeah. I've been putting together, I'm also trying to get in shape for 2018 and all my photo work for that year. So uh, I've been putting together an archive of all my stuff and yeah, I'm at that point where I really just have to weed out all the duplicates that I have of so many things. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely there, too, where there's so many different little parts of files that have been made from the original raw file that was taken, like the the original photograph. There's so many derivatives of that that have come out of it over over time, especially if it was a photo that I liked, that I ranked highly, you know, and that I'd already exported. There's already copies of that as a JPEG. Or some other like smaller web-sized thumbnail right. of it. Yeah, I have a lot of different sizes. Yeah, and that's one that I'm trying to get through right now. I'm, I'm going to try and go through this catalog and I'm going to try and sort it out so that I pull like the, the top few thousand photos of the last decade that are the raw files that I really want to be able to work on or get access to or make new versions of or prints of or something, whatever that might be. But I just to have access to kind of quickly or, you know, like, oh, yeah, these are all the memories that I'm really after. I want those best versions of the files available to me, but a lot of the time I'm noticing that like it's really difficult to get to that given like the current archive structure that I have where it's just all hundred thousand photos that I have. Yeah, I can't really get to stuff in the way that I need to. So I'm going to try and like figure that out where it's all the best stuff that I want to have with me right now. Everything gets archived to the cloud or to some some cold storage thing or, you know, to some old hard drive that gets shut off or something, but some, some place where we get, like, everything stored there, and then really just, like, the last, like, year or 18 months or so and, like, the next six months or so is what I want to be able to, like, keep on the hard drive that I'm working on. But we should talk about more, like, hard drive data stuff as the year comes in a little bit closer. I yeah, know. I know we're planning on, or we're kind of in the process of changing around how our hard drives are set up for our uh, yeah. photo stuff. Yeah, we're trying to get, I think, a little bit bigger stuff. Because, like, right now I have the 4 terabyte hard drive here. That's the one that plugs in. And that one's been great for, like, doing some storage stuff. But now, like, you know, like, the data rates, uh, they it just the cost comes down so much that you're able to get a really large size, large capacity hard drive for not much money. And I think the, uh, like, the, the cost of that is a lot better than some of the cloud storage stuff and just some of the efforts of uh, trying to put something in the cloud and then trying to pay to keep it there year after year after year. I'm really looking for a lot of these things that aren't really super important or super high priority to be able to put in some kind of cold storage thing like this, like what we're talking about, where we have a backup of it on a hard drive that's kind of put aside that we don't have to worry about too much. But kind of like what we noticed, and I think like what uh, one of those burned out cables that's in the trash right now is uh, a signal signal of is that hard drives go bad sometimes. Like that hard drive that we had, that portable one where it burned out at the USB port. Right. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So think There's nothing on it. Yeah. So that. Well. Yeah. And nothing that we needed. Yeah. At least nothing. It's not backed up. There while. was. Yeah. That's okay. the thing. It, nothing that there there's a back. So if, it would be terrible if you know one of these hard drives went where it was the like the sole the sole house of all of the data that we have, especially like all of, like the decade of photographs that we made and stuff. So I'm really trying to be co- conscious of trying to keep those in multiple places at the same time. So we've done an effort to put those up on the uh, on like a cloud storage service. Which has been okay, I, but I think it's like a, it's not the best version of those files. If I understand right, it's like a JPEG version. There's a few limitations around it, if I understood right. But it's um, it's okay. I don't know. We'll try and put a bunch of stuff up on the Prime Photo service like that. Uh, yeah, I was gonna ask which uh, which services you're using right now. Yeah, the Amazon Prime Cloud Services is what I'm trying to use for the photo storage. And uh, they have like unlimited photo photo uploads for a lot of stuff. And we we put up a lot of stuff uh on that. But you you kinda keep have you have to make it current. So there's all the stuff from two thousand sixteen and two thousand seventeen that wasn't really part of that. And so I need to upload all of that content up into the cloud. Oh, sure. Yeah, you just have to keep keep adding to it yeah yeah I have to keep kind of I have to keep some of that stuff synced and I think even still there's there's a lot of gaps within like 2015 and 14 and that's all just stuff that we can file ourselves but um but stuff that, that didn't make it up originally um and so now that I have like this uh this like new catalog like so what I what so before I get out of myself what I did this weekend is uh yeah I took the hard drives I had this one terabyte hard drive that I use as like my portable drive that's like my storage and stuff like the tank that I have with my laptop when I'm in my bag out on the road and that has all my photos on it. And it's really just had a copy of like the whole photo archive for a long time. But what I've been wanting to do is update that for 2017 and take every photograph I have, every JPEG, DNG file, any any raw file or photo file that I have on my computer, on any of my hard drives. I want to try and condense that down into one set of files that are organized in some way. And so I wanted to, to use Lightroom to do that since Lightroom and its back end when it, when it brings in files. It'll bring in files from one hard drive and then write them into a new file architecture on another hard drive. And so I tried to take, um, I tried to take everything and I backed it up into the four terabyte hard drive. And then I brought everything back over and I filtered it through Lightroom so that I could get everything put into a new file architecture that matched by, um, by like month and date and year of, uh, of the file date. And most, most of the metadata is correct. But like, you know, Marina, like a lot of the metadata for for whatever weird camera or whatever set of film that we had that was scanned by some computer that never had its clock set and still says 2002. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of stuff that has the wrong metadata date where it shows up like when my D3's battery died and it said it was 2007 in February again. Because that was the first date that that computer knew in that camera. And it just reverted to that date again. That's the worst. It was silly. Yeah. So it's, mis, it's misdated, but it's really fine for, for most cases. So I was able to bring all those photos back over, put a new collection together. It was about 500 gigabytes or so. And then I was able to transfer that back over to the, to the larger drive. And then the plan is to wipe the Go drive, the one that I have with me all the time, and, uh, and then bring back over, like I was talking about at the beginning, like the top few thousand photos, and then everything that I'm kind of currently working on for this year. And last year or so, there goes our heaters <laughs> <laughs> banging in the backyard. Bang, bang, bang. Sounds like hammers on a pipe. It really does every time. That is exactly what it sounds like. I never get used to it. Like when it comes into, into fall and those start popping, <laughs> it's pretty funny. All through the winter, all through spring. Still, it like gets like in the 70s, late May. Ugh. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so we're trying to do like this collection of archiving all these photos and trying to organize it and put it together. And it's been a fine process so far, but like trying to get your hard drive straightened out, especially when you're a little short on space, cause you sort of wait until you start to organize your hard drive until, until you're running low on space. And you're like, oh man, I gotta do something. I gotta move these files around so I can kind of get by still. And that's what I, I was running into problems with too, where it was like every hard drive was starting to get full and I go, oh man, I gotta get like a new hard drive. And like we were just talking about hard drives go bad, especially these portable ones, especially these spinning disc drives. Like the MacBook I have now, that's an SSD. Those solid state systems are going to last a lot longer than the spinning disc mechanisms because that magnetic spinning disc plate is going to mechanically fail after some number of miles of revolutions that it makes, that the motor does. But the solid state system has the advantage because there's no moving parts and it's just electricity. And so it's really conceivable that there's really no finite point that that drive will fail. Like most thumb drives or something, optical media, it's kind of like thought that that's going to burn out after 20 or 30 years. You're not really even going to be able to use the disk as it's stored unless it's stored in like a good condition. But thumb drives and other like solid state media, if if the ROM doesn't lose whatever data was on it, it's likely that, you know, it'd still be readable if it wasn't damaged. So it's kind of interesting like how different yeah, types of media Yeah, what's lasting work. and what's not. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Hope you guys check out some stuff on BillyNewmanPhoto.com. A few new things up there, some stuff on the homepage, some good links to other other outbound sources, some some links to books, some links to some podcasts, links to some blog posts. All pretty cool. But yeah, check it out at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast. Talk to you next time.